This is the 10,000 Depositions Later podcast, episode 11. I'm Jim Garrity. Okay, so today we're going to talk about requests for physical demonstrations during a videotaped deposition. Demands for deposition demonstrations or reenactments usually surface in cases where there's been an accident or physical behavior of some kind that's at issue in the case. It could be a factory injury, harassing behavior in a workplace, mishaps at home, ordinary torts on the street, or even something in a criminal context, although that's a lot less common. It could be physical behavior, facial gestures, tone of voice, anything demonstrative uh, beyond the spoken word. So in this episode, we'll talk about when to demand that a deponent perform a demonstration or reenactment, when to oppose a demonstration of your witness or client, and things to consider along the way. But to give you some illustrations of cases where physical demonstrations have been requested and allowed during a videotape deposition, let me give you some examples. In one case, lawyers successfully petitioned to have a lawnmower dealer demonstrate what he was doing when he lost part of his hand while servicing a new mower that he was about to put up for sale. So he's trying to start the mower to test it. It doesn't start. He puts it on the workbench, begins working on it, and guess what happens? The mower immediately starts lurches forward, and injures him. So the reenactment in that case centered on what he was doing. How was he holding the machine? Where was he standing? Did he touch anything that would have caused the mower to start? In another case, a metal worker in a factory was using a piece of machinery when a steel press lowered onto his hand, crushing it. In that case, reenactment was allowed. What was he doing when the accident took place? Still another example. In a workplace sexual harassment case, a supervisor was accused of bumping into or rubbing up against one of his female subordinates as he passed by her in a narrow hallway that was filled with filing cabinets. It seemed to the plaintiff to be testing behavior, where the supervisor was engaging in somewhat ambiguous behavior to see how female employees would respond. Exactly what did he do to try to slip by them? How much room was there? Where were his hands and how did he make contact? And then last example, in a personal injury case, a karate instructor was accused of negligence in teaching one of his students a particular move, which caused the injury to the student. Question in that case was, was the instructor competent? And exactly how did he demonstrate the move to the student that caused the student to become injured? In each of those cases, there was something physical that happened, something that could be demonstrated that was pertinent to a claim or defense. All right, so some quick questions for you before we dig in. Have you ever asked a witness in a deposition, perhaps without advance warning, to physically demonstrate something? If so, was it a top-of-the-head thing that occurred to you as you were examining the witness? I'm not saying you weren't doing your job, but had you planned it in advance, or was it something that occurred to you as the witness was testifying? If you did, uh, were you videotaping it at the time? And if you weren't videotaping it, did you regret it? not having a camera. If you did it without warning, did the opposing lawyer instruct the witness not to physically demonstrate the behavior? If so, what excuse did the lawyer give and what happened? On the other hand, have you ever had one of your clients, one of your witnesses, asked to physically demonstrate something? Did it catch you off guard? Had you discussed it or prepared the witness for that possibility? And if you hadn't thought about it in advance, how did it turn out for you? Did you refuse, and on what basis? And if you did, uh, did either of you seek court intervention, and how did that resolve? 
So we'll cover some of these things right now. There's absolutely nothing wrong with asking a deponent to physically demonstrate something that took place. But if it's going to be a significant or meaningful demonstration or reenactment, it's good to have some protocols in place and usually to discuss it in advance with the other lawyers. Otherwise, you're likely to get a lot of objections which may or may not be founded. The argument may be that an ad hoc demonstration without notice won't be accurate. Maybe they'll say that the witness should be in the same physical spot as when the incident took place. Or maybe that an on-the-fly demonstration in a chair at a court reporter's office isn't really a recreation or reenactment. Maybe it is. Now, to be sure, the question, can I require a demonstration of a past incident in a videotape deposition, is a different question from, can I play that videotape demonstration at trial? But even so, that's an issue to be addressed down the road. The standard for collecting information during discovery is fairly loose. You can gather information during discovery, as I'm sure you know, even if that information isn't itself admissible at trial. Uh, Federal Rule 26B1 says that to be discoverable, relevant information doesn't have to be admissible at trial if the discovery appears reasonably calculated to lead to the discovery of admissible evidence. So let's start with first principles about deposition demonstrations and reenactments, meaning the basic building blocks of the topic. First, what's discoverable is far broader than what's admissible. Second, videotaping is already common during civil discovery for all kinds of things. Routine deposition testimony, testimony of witnesses who aren't going to be available at the time of trial, and for many other purposes. The rules expressly allow videotaping under Rule 30B3A with appropriate notice, so no court approval required. Third basic principle. Videotape depositions can be presented at hearings or trials under Federal Rule 32A1. The rule says at a hearing or trial, all or part of a deposition may be used against a party on these conditions. Fourth basic principle. Demonstrations during discovery depositions can help the parties better understand what happened in ways that words alone just cannot capture. Sometimes verbal descriptions just don't do it. Like they say, a picture's worth a thousand words, a moving picture, many more. Fifth basic principle. Demonstrations are obviously permitted in a courtroom, but not all of them can be conducted in that setting. So some reenactments obviously have to take place outside the courtroom, and videotaping them during a deposition is often the only practical way to achieve that. Sixth, in cases where expert witness testimony is necessary or going to be of value to you, a videotape demonstration is going to be of significant value to the experts informing their opinions and testimony. The experts will not only have the testimony of the witness, which of course is always helpful, but a visual as well as to how things actually happened. That's going to make the expert's testimony more reliable and lessen the possibility that an expert is going to need to modify his or her opinions down the road if there's a demonstration, for example, from the witness stand at trial that at the last possible moment would add to the expert's knowledge. Experts can obviously conduct their own tests, recreation or experiment, but it might not perfectly recreate what the deponent will say actually happened. So if there's going to be a demonstration at all by anybody, it makes sense that it would come from the folks involved 
during the discovery phase. That's what discovery is for. And by the way, if your adversary has retained an expert who has formed an opinion or will form an opinion as to how something happened, there's nothing to stop you from setting their expert for videotape deposition and requiring the opposing expert to demonstrate on videotape how they believe an incident occurred or unfolded, how a product was misused or should be used properly, how an accident occurred. Experts aren't exempt from the notion that a videotaped demonstration will inform the parties and result in fuller disclosure of relevant facts during discovery. So why in some cases are demonstrations or reenactments even an issue? I suspect it causes conflicts during discovery because the rules don't expressly address it, and because there is so little case law on point. In other words, because it's not addressed or resolved on a broad basis through rules or high-level appellate court decisions, it's typically something that's going to be litigated on a highly individualized, case-by-case basis. Some folks that have commented on this issue think there is very little case law because rulings on things like the nature and scope of discovery, including depositions, tend to be orders that cannot be immediately appealed. And because most cases settle, there are just very few rulings on deposition reenactments and demonstrations that ever reach an appellate court level. All right, so what to do if your case is one where a request for a physical demonstration or reenactment in a deposition seems likely. If your case involves physical behaviors that might be an issue, it's important to think about that from the outset of the case. Some questions to think about. Will you benefit from having a witness demonstrate or act out the event that uh, is pertinent to a claim or defense? Or will you benefit from not having a witness do that? Sometimes that's the better option. Will your client or witness be asked to act out an incident by an opposing lawyer? If that's likely, will you have your client demonstrate it ahead of time to ensure that if asked, he or she will get it exactly right the first time? Otherwise, you might run a risk that the witness is going to fumble on video, and you certainly can't afford that. Your witness might get the direction wrong, might not have the same sense of the room or area, may even start with their left hand instead of their right. Those are simple, honest mistakes, but with the camera rolling, it can look absolutely terrible. The last thing you want is some kind of helter-skelter demonstration that hasn't been thought out. You don't get a do-over when the video starts running. Each take, if there's more than one physical reenactment in an actual deposition, is evidence. Each subsequent version of those takes is potential impeachment material against the witness. What the jury may see is a witness potentially saying, well, I did it like this. No, wait, actually it was like this. No, I did it this way. So you can imagine how that would look. And if the deponent has not been advised in advance that a demonstration may be necessary or doesn't get it right the first time, it's conceivable that what's going to happen on videotape is that the witness does it in a way that isn't even physically possible. And that's going to play out very poorly in a courtroom. Often the jury may be sitting there silently thinking, this is just simply being made up. Or the witness isn't even sure of what actually happened. And that's going to cause you problems uh, at trial, even if you're in a greater weight of the evidence or preponderance burden of proof situation. But all of that's easily avoidable if you think about the physicality of the case as part of your deposition preparations. That way you'll be ready and your witnesses can easily recreate exactly what happened the first time they're requested to do so. 
And it's critical to really think this through because in most cases, a judge is going to allow a physical demonstration in a videotape deposition. Remember that discovery is intended to facilitate full disclosure of all the relevant facts. It's meant to get all the facts out on the table first, and from there, the parties in the court can sort out what's admissible at trial later on. All right, so let's talk about some of the things to think about if you're going to require a deponent to undertake a physical demonstration. And from the flip side, you'll also want to think about these same factors if you're in a position where you're going to oppose a physical demonstration or reenactment. So I'm going to walk through some of the considerations uh, in no particular order. Uh, first, if the incident led to a serious injury suffered by the deponent, one question that sometimes arises is, is it reasonable and fair to the deponent to require them to reenact the incident using the actual machinery that inflicted the wounds? Sometimes that's just not going to work. Uh, this is where it may be appropriate to simply have the deponent use a pointer or to demonstrate with the machinery turned off. If the machinery has to be turned on, whatever it is, another option would be to have someone else who's familiar with the machinery operate it and physically demonstrate the conduct in question, possibly at the direction of the injured deponent. Another point, is it necessary to visit the scene of the incident or accident? If it was a simple matter or an accident that involved the handling of a handheld tool, for example, it's possible that the demonstration could take place in the court reporter's office. Under those circumstances, there's probably no need for everyone to travel uh, to the site of the accident. Still other questions. What steps have been taken to ensure that the demonstration will be safe to the extent that's an issue? The last thing you want is to propose a reenactment of an accident that caused injury without having a clear framework to ensure that the demonstration doesn't result in another disaster. Here's another point. Maybe it is necessary to visit a physical location because of unusual features, such as rolling hills that may have made a difference in some respect, or a heavily wooded forest, or unusually large machinery that would have been involved and which obviously cannot be transported. Something else to think about. If the location of the incident is owned or controlled by a party, you can demand access under Rule 34, which we normally think of as the rule relating to requests for production, but that rule also allows you to seek, quote, entry onto designated land or other property possessed or controlled by the responding party so that the requesting party may inspect, measure, survey, photograph, test, or sample the property or any designated object or operation on it, close quote. Now, even if the property or the equipment on a particular piece of property isn't owned by a party, you can either A, usually gain cooperation by simply negotiating an agreement with the owner of the property and the objects or machinery on it, or B, if you can't get agreement after an effort to negotiate it, you can use Federal Rule 45A1A3 to command the non-party to allow you entry onto their property and to conduct the inspection or reenactment on their premises. Other things to think about. Do you need to arrange for a tool or objects that might be at issue to be made available and to be transported to the location for the reenactment? Do you need to figure out or give thought to what exactly you're going to have the deponent do during the demonstration? Will it be gestures, walking, bending, climbing? Are you going to have them stand at a particular location or facing a particular way? Will the deponent be operating a piece of machinery? 
If the deponent is operating machinery, will it be the original piece of machinery involved in the incident or accident or an identical one like the one that was involved or something that's merely very similar? And will the record make clear that the machinery or object is similar but wasn't the one involved in the accident? If it's a harassment case, will you want the deponent walking a particular way or past particular objects? Are those objects still around and are they still in their original location? Will you be having the deponent walk past others that were seated or standing? And will they be the original individuals that were present at the time of the incident? Will they be walking through a group of people or showing how a supervisor grabbed them by the arm, shoulder, breast, leg, buttocks? Will you ask the deponent to show how the supervisor touched them or grabbed them? Maybe it won't be an issue of physical contact, but merely you asking the deponent to recreate the tone of voice they used when they were speaking to subordinates or facial gestures. Will the deponent be testifying as he or she reenacts the event? Or will they be deposed first and then taken to a scene to begin the reenactment without accompanying testimony simultaneously? Who will direct the deponent's conduct as they recreate the incident? Will it be the opposing lawyer? To what extent is the opposing lawyer allowed to give direction to the deponent? And what will be said to the deponent as the recreation takes place? Should the deponent simply use a pointer to explain how he or she stood, turned on a machine, climbed a ladder, or performed some other task? Should they be asked to operate the same or an identical piece of machinery? Should they actually be required to go through that? Are the objects in the original location where whatever the incident was took place still there, or have they been moved? meaning that the recreation isn't going to be a perfect facsimile of what actually happened. How long will the deponent be given to demonstrate a particular task, method, or movement? How many times will they be allowed or required to conduct a demonstration or reenactment? Who's going to be present? Will there be other employees? Random people in the background that might prove to be a distraction? Will anyone else be part of the reenactment? And if so, why? And if not, why not? Those are all questions to ask. If others are going to be part of the reenactment, who will it be? What will they be doing? How will you control them? Who's going to direct those folks? Will the directions be part of the deposition or just agreed in a stipulation? Will there be experts present? And will the experts be permitted to independently videotape for their own purposes? It might be useful to hire an expert if the subject of the reenactment is of a kind that normally requires expert analysis and testimony. And you'll want that expert to help you develop your demonstration protocols if you're the movement, or to show why the opposing party's request is flawed if you're opposing it. And you'll likely also want your expert to attend the demonstration. That can allow your expert to confirm his or her opinion, develop additional support, or even to conduct independent demonstrations later to undermine what the deponent demonstrated during the videotaped deposition. Other questions. Will each lawyer be allowed to instruct the deponent how to stand or move to support their own theory of what actually happened? In other words, will there be different versions of the demonstration based on the positions taken by each party in the case? 
in effect, a kind of behavioral cross-examination. You had to be standing this way, so please stand over there so the jury can see how it's possible if you were standing over there. Will still photographs be allowed? Is the incident in question or the behavior at issue such that an accurate recreation is simply impossible? Was it something that took place at high speed or very quickly and thus just cannot be perfectly or accurately recreated? Or was it something that took place in the context of a large crowd or while the deponent was distracted, making a precise reenactment unlikely? Is your opponent, if your opponent is attempting to force a demonstration or reenactment, attempting to impose circumstances or conditions that make the reenactment inaccurate? Is the opponent trying to force a reenactment at some location other than where the incident actually took place? Obviously, a reenactment or a demonstration in a court reporter's office or somewhere else other than where it actually took place may decrease the odds or likelihood that you're going to get a faithful recreation of the incident. And is your opponent attempting to press something along those lines to gain advantage? It's incredibly important to know the answers to these and similar questions and to think about them well in advance of the actual reenactment or of a court ruling on a request for a reenactment. Now, if you can't get agreement, be ready to make application to your court, either for a motion compelling a reenactment or if you're on the opposite side, opposing it. You're going to need to address these points in your papers. Conversely, if you're opposing an application for demonstration, you'll use these same points to develop your opposition and to make the arguments that the motion at hand doesn't address these issues or doesn't faithfully uh, deal with them. And by the way, practice pointer, in moving for an order permitting or requiring the demonstration, you're going to want to include an alternative argument that if you're not allowed to require the demonstration during a videotape deposition, your opponent or the deponent should be barred from undertaking a demonstration in the courtroom in front of a jury. My view is, look, if you don't want to show me how you did it during the discovery process so that I can evaluate it and be ready for it, you ought not to be able to do it in a courtroom. All right, so that's a pretty good overview on the topic of videotaped demonstrations or reenactments in depositions. Let me give you some sites to five cases that I think will be useful to you if you need to research this issue. These five are among the most heavily cited on the topic of videotape demonstrations in uh, litigation. By the way, when you're doing research on this topic and really on any deposition-specific topic, you've always got to give some thought to the year that the case you're looking at was decided. State and federal rules change with some regularity, and the federal rules governing depositions have been rewritten a number of times in the last 20 or 30 years. So if you're looking at an older case, or if an opposing lawyer is citing an older case for a particular proposition, make sure you check the year that the decision was decided and then match that up with the version of the rules that would have been in effect at the time. Uh, here's an example why. At least one of the decisions that are frequently cited to support videotape reenactments and which in fact allowed it was actually decided before the federal rules allowed videotape depositions as a matter of right. All right, so uh, five decisions on this topic that should give you a great head start. Uh, Roberts versus Homelite, H-O-M-E-L-I-T-E, Division of Textron, Inc., 109 FRD, that's Federal Rules of Decision 664, 
from the Northern District of Indiana, 1986. In that case, a demonstration was allowed of a lawnmower accident, but that case is heavily cited. Next one, Emerson Electric versus Superior Court, 946 Pacific 2nd, 841, Supreme Court of California, 1997, demonstration allowed of radial saw accident. Corrali versus Burkle, that's K-I-R-A-L-Y versus B-E-R-K-E-L, Inc., 122 FRD 186 out of the Eastern District of Pennsylvania, 1988. In that case, the court allowed a demonstration in a product liability case where the plaintiff alleged that the defendant's meat slicer injured her hands. Brown versus Bridges, 327 Southern 2nd, 874 out of the Second District Court of Appeal in Florida, 1976. In that case, the court allowed a demonstration by a karate instructor even though the reenactment, the court said, may not be precise where the instructor was accused of injuring a student through improper teaching. A Carson versus Burlington Northern, Inc., 52 FRD 492, District of Nebraska, 1971. In that case, the court again allowed a demonstration where the plaintiff, who worked in a blacksmith shop for the defendant, suffered a partial amputation of his hand when a steel press came down on it. And then lastly, Amos versus Ashworth, A-M-I-S versus Ashworth, 802 Southwest 2nd, 374, Texas Court of Appeals, 1990. Now, in this decision, this is an example of a case where a court actually disallowed a recreation or demonstration saying that, look, the reenactment has got to be legitimate and accurate. In that particular case, the court uh, disapproved the use of a reenactment where the plaintiff wanted to recreate a fight by hiring actors and by using studio lighting. The court said that's not what we had in mind. All right, and that's what I've got for you on the topic of physical demonstrations and reenactments. Thank you for listening. As always, we very much appreciate a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, wherever. And be sure to check out the third edition of our best-selling book, 10,000 Depositions Later, the premier guide for superior deposition practice. Available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and just about everywhere else books are sold.